and welcome back to Basic Bible 101. Uh, sometimes I forget that there are new people just uh, tuning in, and my name is Margie Smith, and I want to encourage you to go back to the beginning, the first podcast, and start there rather than trying to start just somewhere in the middle. The only exception to this would be if you have already studied the whole Bible at some time, but you just want to go back and refresh a certain subject, then by all means, just go ahead and tune into that lesson. But, you know, it builds. So, um, in fact, last week we were talking about Paul, uh, the fir- one of the first missionaries, and how he had gone to several of the different countries uh, that border the Mediterranean and a lot of the cities in, in those areas to spread the gospel. We talked about how he started out by going into the local synagogue because he was a Jew and sharing what he believed. And then they would either kind of listen to him, want to hear more, be curious. Uh, But eventually they would get um, upset with Paul because the Jews did not want to accept Jesus as the Messiah they had been waiting for. And so Paul would be chased out of the synagogue and many times he would use this as an opportunity to speak to the Gentiles who were more receptive some some were not but through this process Paul was able to start quite a few little churches throughout the uh, southern Mesopotamia area we'll call it but it's really like modern-day Turkey Greece Italy, that area down uh, that all borders along the Mediterranean Sea. Okay, so through this process, Paul was received well by some people and some not at all. And in fact, the ones who did not like Paul's message began stirring up trouble. And so through this process, through all the different journeys that Paul uh, took, he was persecuted, he was stoned, he was imprisoned, he was whipped, he was shipwrecked. He was bit by a snake. He tried, was tried in various courts. Eventually, he is killed for his beliefs. And so today, we are going to talk a little bit about what Paul wrote, what his message actually was. Because we weren't there and no one had recording devices to record his messages, what we know of Paul's messages are uh what we gleaned from the letters that he wrote along the way. Most of our New Testament is comprised of Paul's letters. And so today we are going to take a look at those letters. I want to encourage you to spend the time to go back and read uh, all of Paul's letters. None of them are particularly long, but we won't have time to do that in this podcast. So I will just give you an introduction to each of the different letters, who he was writing to, the kind of the gist of what the letter's about. But really, it would be wonderful if you could take the time to go back and just read through what he was writing to each of these different new churches. Okay, and we'll start off, we don't really know for sure the order that he wrote the letters in. You can kind of infer certain things from the letters in that obviously he must have just been there or he was planning on going back yet. We can kind of uh, reconcile it with the book of Acts a little bit, which we have referred to uh, in our last two podcasts, that we think he wrote this letter here or there. But of course, one of the things that happened back then is Paul would write a letter, and let's say he was writing to the church in Galatia, and so it was. It's written to the. It's what we call Galatians, and yet the letter wouldn't just stop with the church in Galatians. It would be carried to some of the other churches nearby. So the message, Paul's message, actually spread far and wide this way. 
Okay, first, before we uh, begin, I want you to think about Paul, the different hardships he was willing to endure for the gospel. And I know that it's hard for us to imagine being so um, criticized that people actually whipped you and stoned you for what you believe. And yet that was the case at, the, at this time in history where there was no such thing as free speech. If you made people mad, you suffered accordingly. And many times at the hands of the government in charge. And because Rome, uh, obviously the Romans were in charge of all of this area, Paul is continually butting heads with the Romans in one form or fashion, which we will talk about a little bit more. But one of the first letters we're going to look at is his letter back to, to the church in Rome. Now remember these, he had not been there yet. He had wanted to get there. But through this, um, you know, series of circumstances, it hadn't worked out. Now, in his fourth journey, he had finally made it to Rome. So we know that he wrote the book of Romans sometime before that fourth journey of his. Okay, um, first I want to read you a couple of passages so that you will get a more of a feel for why Paul was willing to endure all these hardships. Because remember, he could have just accepted that Jesus was the Messiah and preached a little bit locally and and didn't have to endure or go to this great extreme but the gospel so burned within his heart and he so wanted people to hear the message that he was willing to sacrifice everything so look at uh, just a couple of little spots that he in some of his letters one of the letters we're going to look at right off the bat is first Timothy uh, the book of first Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12 through 16 he is writing back to his uh, missionary buddy, young, the young guy Timothy, and he is um, reminding him of some things that um, are true about uh, his faith. He says, I thank Jesus Christ our Lord who gave, has given me strength that he considered me faithful, appointed me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord has poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. So he knew from his background that nobody deserved the faith less than he did. And so he could share it with the heart of gratitude and gratefulness that he had uh, the, the joy of being a Christian, of knowing Jesus Christ. Uh, one more uh, passage uh, from of that Paul where Paul speaks of his, what drives him, what motivates him and moves him forward. And this is in one, one, the first letter that he wrote back to the church in Thessalonica, First uh, Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, he says, You know, brothers, that our visit to you was not a failure. We had previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in spite of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please men, but God who tests our hearts. You know we never use flattery, 
nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from men, not from you or from anyone else. As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you, but we were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our very lives as well, because you became so dear to us. We see here that these letters that Paul is writing back to the churches are filled with his love for these people, that he had the chance to share the gospel against very difficult odds, and that the gospel was received by these believers. And and he was then able to um, proclaim all that God had done in him and then share it through his letters. So that is the purpose for the letters and to encourage the new churches. So as we read through them, I want you to keep in mind that he is writing from his heart to people he loved, to people he knew well. And I know that it's hard for us today because Paul wrote these letters, you know, several uh, thousand years ago. And so for us, it is... Um, you know, boy, would he mean that if, if he wrote that to me today. But I think that he would because the same message is true. Uh, the gospel goes on and therefore we can then share this truth with others around the world, around our city, around our neighborhood. Okay, let's start with the book of Romans. It is believed that Paul wrote the book of Romans while he was at Corinth. Remember, he stayed at Corinth for quite a while. This was during his third missionary journey, and it says that Paul anticipated visiting the the Christians in Rome. He sent this letter to explain his understanding of the doctrine of Christianity. Okay, remember at this time, the other than having spent time with Jesus, the, the disciples ha, who had been uh, in his presence and listened to him and had been trained by Jesus, there was no one to really say, this is what Christians believe. And Paul is the first one who begins putting into writing what Christians believe, what is doctrine that we call today. Uh, Paul explains that we have all sinned. That was part of Jesus' message to us was that we are all sinners and we all need God's forgiveness. And then that Christ was the only way to obtain that forgiveness. And so Paul in this letter is writing why it is that all people everywhere uh, can turn to Jesus and trust in Jesus and be saved. He deals with uh, the the sinful nature that we have and how we struggle to live the Christian life. I think if you talk to just about any Christian, they will tell you it's it's work to be a Christian. It is a constant awareness of our imperfections. And we so want to represent the God who is amazing, who is who has so filled us with love. And yet we fail so frequently. And you know, all the time we're hearing of, you know, notorious failures of Christians, but all of us fail in small ways. And so the book of Romans talks about that struggle with sin. Um, He deals with uh, reminding us not to be a stumbling block to someone else. Uh, He talks about the fact that our faith is dependent upon um, the grace of God. It's not us that does anything to be perfect. It is God's grace within us. And so he's very mindful of you can't do anything to be saved. You can't do anything to deserve that Jesus died on the cross for you. You can only accept it and be grateful for it and understand that it was given to you by grace. Okay, in this book, 
uh, he also has a pre simple presentation of the gospel. So many of us refer to this as the Romans road to salvation. That may sound familiar to some of you. If you would look at Romans 3.23, it says all have sinned. Then Romans 6.23, where it says the wages of sin is death. Uh, Romans 5.8, Christ died to pay this, the debt for our sin. Uh, then he goes on to uh, Romans 10, 9 through 10 and 13. Confess, uh, confess your sins and Jesus uh, is quick to uh, forgive and save. Uh, and, it, and at this point, I would normally, if we were in a classroom, I would invite you all to bow your head and pray. Um, of course, you don't have to bow your head to pray. You can pray standing up or sitting down or doing yoga or whatever. But... Um, what I would do is encourage you to just pause and spend a moment reviewing your life and seeing how it measures up to what you, what you want it to be. And if it doesn't, if within you is a loss, a loneliness, a, a hole, where you're missing something, something great that you know that only God can provide, then this would be a good time to just stop and ask God to forgive you for going your own way, for wanting to live a life different from what he had planned for you from the beginning. And thank him for his sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and then ask uh, God to come into your life and to, um, to just direct your life from here on out. It's a fairly simple process. People make it more difficult than it is. The, the danger with um, Christianity is it's deceptively simple. And it's so easy to just say, Jesus, forgive me, and know that we are forgiven. And yet that forgiveness has such a depth of meaning. And the rest of your Christian life, you will learn all that that entails, all that that sacrifice meant, all the ways that it changes us within. As I have said from the beginning, the only way to really understand Scripture, the Bible, is from this perspective that the Holy Spirit teaches you. And if you have been going through basic Bible and uh, getting some of it and kind of thinking, well, it's good historical information. It's at this point that I would say, stop and consider the spiritual part of it because that's the part that gives everything else meaning. It brings everything else to life. Okay, uh, from this point, let's look at the uh, book of Galatians. This was written back to the church in Galatia. It's at this point that some of the Christians in um, Jerusalem had gotten a hold of some of the uh, people that were going to the Church of Galatia and started telling them, well, you know, you really do have to follow these different principles to be a Christian. You really do need to become a Jew and get circumcised and or whatever. You know, I'm not sure all the different things that they tried to talk them into, but I do know from Paul's response in this letter he is just blasting the ones who have said that you have to undergo all these different uh, steps in order to be a Christian. And he is saying it is by grace alone, only because Jesus died on the cross. Here he counters some of the popular myths of the time um, that, uh, you know, people are trying to talk these Christians into uh, undergoing all kinds of sacrifices and um, just maintaining that they need to um, observe certain uh, Jewish holidays. Um, and, and Paul is just saying that none of that means anything anymore because you have been saved by Jesus Christ. And he's the one that's going to make you into the person that he originally designed you to be. And so... 
um, it's through this letter that we see that Paul kind of takes on Peter because Peter was one of the ones that was the head of the early Christian church and was trying to convince the uh, believers, the new believers, that they needed to still follow the old Jewish laws. And Paul just pretty well blasts him here and he says, our freedom is in Christ. Um, the last part of chapter 5 talks about the fruits of the Spirit that come from uh, growing uh, as a Christian. None of that can we just earn on our by our works. It is by grace that we receive anything from the Lord and become anything. Okay, the book of First and Second Corinthians. Well, obviously these letters are going back to the church in Corinth. The first letter is, uh, he's writing to the church. He's in Ephesus, Ephesus at the time. And it's as part of his third missionary journey. He's writing this back to them. And he says, uh, I, this is how you live as a Christian in a pagan society, basically. Uh, remember, Corinth was the central crossroads of the kind of known world then. And it was a very... Uh, worldly city. They, you know, they worshipped all kinds of different little gods and worshipped idols and people had all kinds of strange beliefs and many of them had to do with temple prostitutes and, you know, things that, of course, would not at all honor God. And so Paul is writing back to them and he's saying, as a Christian, we can't say anything goes. We we are were saved for a purpose. We were saved to be what God intends us to be, to be like Christ. And so this letter is almost taking a different stand from the Galatians church where he's saying, you're free, you don't have to follow all these rules. But in Corinth he's saying, but wait a minute, that freedom doesn't give you a license to sin. It doesn't mean that now you can live just like you, your old self did because you can't. You, you have been changed. Your heart has been changed. You've been clean, cleansed from the inside out. And so he gives them certain rules for conduct here. It's a great book about um, just organization for the church as far as things that, you know, ways to handle disputes among believers, um, how to stop arguing over petty matters. Uh, basically, he's talking here about the one thing, the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13 is in this letter where he says, this is what it's all about. It's about this love that w was given to us by God and that we need to live out and can live out, uh, but we have to purpose to. And then there's some uh, parts of Corinth, the, his letter back to the Corinth church where he's saying, okay, here's how you use your different giftedness to build up the body of Christ. Now we will use the term in the church today, the body of Christ, meaning Christians everywhere, that we are all part of the body of Christ once we become a Christian. And you may be saying the body of Christ, kind of like we would say a body of water, you know, it's just made up of a lot of water and it just goes around to various, you know, touches various um, shorelines. Well, the body of Christ is all Christians, no matter where they are, they are part of the spirit, the spirit that we received when we accepted Christ. And so he says that the spirit gives you certain spiritual gifts. Here's how you can use them to build up each other, to help each other grow, to become more sanctified. I'll use the word sanctified. What we mean by that, I know it sounds like sanctify must be set aside and holy, and it is that way somewhat, but it really means to, to make us clean and new and like Jesus. Okay, um, let's take just a minute. I want to read 1 Corinthians 6, just to give you an example of what Paul is saying. 
uh, starting with verse 12, he says, Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is per, uh, permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God will destroy them both. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Basically, he's saying, even because you think that you have certain rights, those rights don't extend to to sin. They don't um, extend into living a life that, that makes the name of Christ uh, tarnished. Because you don't want people to look at you as a Christian and say, well, they're no different than me. Because if they say that, then obviously, what's the point of being a Christian? What they see in us as Christians is that we're different, and we're different because we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We are filled with the forgiveness that was purchased for us when Jesus died on the cross. So Paul writes this back and, and just encourages the, peop- the uh, Corinthian church to live up to the call that they have been given. Now, um, when he writes the second letter, things have changed dramatically. There's a suspicion that there was another letter somewhere in here. There's, there, the, it's possible that there was a third letter, but it's been lost over time because he refers to things that he wrote before, and yet those aren't things that are in 1 Corinthians. So, But in this letter, um, the Second Corinthians letter, he is saying... He's basically defending his right to be, uh, to spread the good news, to be an apostle. He is saying that he has the same right as the uh, leaders in the church in Jerusalem, uh, who were, of course, the disciples, the 12 disciples. Uh, Because he said, it wasn't that I chose Christ. Christ chose me. He stopped me on the road to Damascus, and he changed my life, and he called me into this service. And therefore, that's the only argument I need. That's the only credentials I need. You know, he talks about how we have this precious gift of the Spirit of God in in us, as in jars of clay. You know, we're just broken people, and yet the Holy Spirit, it just indwells within us. So we see from this that Paul is uh, laying out his right to to share the gospel, but also laying down the foundation for all of us to share the gospel because his same arguments apply to each one of us. Okay, let's look at he, what he wrote to the church in um, Thessalonians. Okay, first in Thessalonians were letters written to the church back in Thessalonica. It's here that Paul um, was forced to leave. He had only been there for three weeks, so he didn't have much time to do a lot of training of the church there but he encourages the new believers and he's delighted to see that they are progressing in their faith so he's heard about them he cautions cautions them about sexual misconduct and explains some interesting insights on what happens when christians die okay there are some very you know you i'm sure we have all had that sense of well what is heaven really like and what really happens to us when we die well, Paul writes about that in, in his letter to the Thessalon- Thessalonians um, in this first letter. And he comforts them with the truth of what our future holds. In the second letter, which is a pretty much a follow-up to the first one, he's dealing with some possible misunderstandings that came from the first letter. So he's encouraging the believers to stick by their... Um, 
convictions despite persecution, because at this time the church is facing a lot of persecution, and that he reminds them that, that Jesus is coming soon. Now, that is a sticky point for a lot of the new church because they keep expecting Christ to come any day. And because of that, they live in a manner that as if they're camping, as if they're just, you know, nothing. They don't take it seriously that they need to work, that they need to put up for the winter, that they need to be responsible adults. Instead, they just say, well, what matters? Is it going to matter? Jesus is coming. It may be this week or next week. And of course, here we are thousands of years later and that. Jesus has not returned yet. And so we see that we, you, and what he was trying to explain to the church in Thessalonica is you can't, you have to live in the world that you're in. Yes, you can have an eye to the future. Yes, you can know that any day could be your last, which we all know anyway. But we can't live with that devil may care. I don't need to plan or do anything that, you know, or work. And he says right in this book, if you're not going to work, then you're not going to eat. So, you know, he's kind of has some, some tough things to say to the church. Okay, let me look at, let's see. Okay, from here, let's look at the book of Ephesians. Okay, Ephesians is, uh, he's writing what we call the prison epistles. These are books that he wrote when he's finally in jail, uh, in Rome probably, and he's trying to write back to hit to the churches since he has no other way to um, give them any kind of a message other than to write because he can't go there himself. And of course, they didn't have recordings back then. So he writes down his messages. And so in the book of Ephesians, he's writing this letter to the church at Ephesus. He's expressing God's plan for a new society, how how different we are because we are Christian. He explains how God chose us before we chose him, how we are to live in peace with one another, uh, gives some guidelines for using spiritual gifts, very similar to what he wrote back to the church in Corinth. In the last chapter, he refers to putting on the armor of God. And so this is kind of a famous chapter among Christians, uh, First or Ephesians um, 6, because here he's talking about protecting yourself by putting on the armor of God, the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness. And I would encourage you to read through that and do a study on it. It's very interesting what he's really encouraging them to do to guard the faith that has been given to them and not let uh, false teachers steal it away. Okay, now in his book to the Philippians, obviously he loves these people a lot because the letter is filled with, with terms of endearment. And he's thanking them for their support. Obviously, they have sent him either some money or some clothes or uh, food. You know, they are helping support him. This is a very optimistic letter. It's one of the ones, it probably is maybe my favorite letter by Paul. Because he's writing with such deep encouragement and gratitude. And that despite suffering, he's encouraging the people to remain faithful. It's such a beautiful message of hope. And it's a very short book, so take the time to read just the four chapters of Philippians. Uh, Colossians follows this. This letter is to the church in Colossia. It's, um, you know, it, it's unlikely that Paul ever actually visited this church, but he is writing to these believers just as he would to any of his, the ones that he did, was able to visit. And he's encouraging them to stay true, to um Remember their mission, their full to to uh, seek the fullness and freedom we have in Christ. Uh, he's warning them to watch out for the false prophets, the people who would lead them astray. 
uh, it's very similar to the book of Galatians and and so when you read through that it will look very familiar and it once again it's very short okay and finally we're going to cover just a few of the letters that he wrote to individuals one of them is written to Philemon it's obviously a man that um, owned a slave and the slave got away and became a Christian uh, Onesimus is his name and that he has gone and helped uh, Paul and Paul is urging the master to forgive this runaway slave and to treat him like a brother in Christ you know he never talks bad about slavery per se um, which is why the southern you know the whole civil war problem was such a deal between Christians even was because there is wasn't an exact expression of, against slavery but at this time in history, Paul is avoiding that issue, but he is saying, treat him like a brother in Christ. And so it's just one, one uh, chapter, very short. Uh, then he writes to Titus, one of the young men that um, he was training up and who is leading a new church, and he uh, reminds him of certain rules for the leaders of the church and um, encourages the people to be subject to the authority that is over them. So even though they are living at a time of great persecution, to be respectful of their leaders, and particularly the leaders in the church. And finally, he has two letters to he writes to Timothy, his uh, protege, who he just um, hopes, has such hopes for. And so he, he writes through this um, encouraging words for a young pastor. And so it's both First and Second Timothy have some wonderful truths for young pastors, but also truths for us, again, uh, warning against false teachers and guarding against the love of money and uh, seeking to be faithful regardless of what you're going through at the end of his second Timothy he says to his friend Timothy remember to bring me my winter coat uh, it, it's a pretty sure bet that this is the last letter that Paul wrote and in it he is um, expressing okay I'm, I'm getting cold send me my coat um, it's the last we hear of Paul and so it's a very dear letter really I would encourage you to read all of them but remember that in all of them, Paul is saying it's God's grace that saves us and nothing else. We have to expect persecution as Christians. That um, we need to be practically and, and uh, culturally relevant and yet uh, to guard, to be different people because we are different. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. And finally, his letters are an excellent source of just wisdom for sorting out what you believe. So I want to really encourage you to spend the time. Those of you that have the student workbook might go back and just fill in your workbook with some of the truths that we covered today on each of those different books. Or read them for yourselves and write your own little um, summary of what each of those books talk about. Okay, that is our lesson for today. For our next lesson, we are going to cover the other letters that are in the New Testament. And these were written by uh, various individuals, by Peter, by James, by John. So we're going to cover all the rest of the letters, and most of them are pretty small. If you have a chance, read through Hebrews, James, First and Second Peter, First and uh, Second and Third John, which is right towards the end of the New Testament, and then the book of Jude. This will cover, for the most part, the rest of the New Testament other than Revelation. So we'll cover that right after next, the next podcast. But it's in these last letters that we get what is really going on with the early church and how they are surviving amidst the persecution that they're, they're living through. So anyway, as I say every week, thank you for listening. You can find out more information at basicbible101.com. 
Of course, you can email me at Margie at BasicBible101.com. And if you go to the website, you will see um, different resources as far as where to get the workbooks or uh, the leader's guides if you would like to lead a group through this study. Uh, in addition, there should be some resources for students under the student section. If you have already bought the student workbook, you can find in the back page of that how to access the student uh, section with all of the answers to the homework questions. Well, at least that's the goal. They're getting there, just not there quite yet. So a little more patience on that. Thank you so much. And again, I just pray that God will bless you just so much from your listening and from your study of his word. Mm -hmm.